And welcome to The Scoop Podcast. I'm editor of The Scoop, Margie Eckelkamp, joined today for a conversation with Kyle Stull of Stull Agronomy. Hi, Kyle. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Margie. Long time no hear. <laughs> yeah. So so just to catch everybody up, um, I've worked with Kyle on some previous stories in the past uh, four or five years, and then... Just recently, he was so kind to have me as a guest on his podcast, and we thought it would be fun for them for him to come on our podcast at The Scoop. Yep. I'm still editing, so we should have that done about the same time you guys get this one out. Oh, perfect. Timing is coming together. So, hey, Kyle, tell tell our audience a little bit about Stull Agronomy. So I... We've talked about this quite a bit. I, I used to work in retail for about 11 years in Wisconsin, and then I was approached by uh, one of my clients to potentially maybe partner in a farming operation, and it kind of worked out because uh, I got a phone call from uh, out of the blue one day from Pioneer asking about potentially working in with Pioneer for selling seed, and for me to have an, a decent income and be able to farm, it uh, kind of came together and then I started this company and with a goal of potentially doing some consulting in the future. And as I kind of got into farming and with my company taking off, I slowly transitioned out of the farming role a little bit to, uh, to doing more consulting and uh, selling seed. And- your transition from traditional ag retail to being a full-time independent consultant today, what's been the most surprising thing for you? Um, time management's been different. Uh, we, we talked about this the other day a little bit. Um, I, I used to drive to an office every day, and now I don't do that anymore. I literally just sometimes get up in the morning and walk across the hall, and I'm in my office. Uh, The biggest thing has been trying to manage my time a little bit, and um, it's it's been different trying to manage myself instead of, you know, showing up at a specific time. Um, Other than that, I mean, it's been nice to be my own boss and kind of make my own schedules and kind of work through some other different things and it's it's a totally different world. I wasn't. Um, I'm still not quite used to it. So, <laughs> well, and with eleven years at a co-op, what did what were the biggest lessons you learned there that you still can apply today in how you serve farmers? I was I was lucky to work for one for eight years that we helped build budgets. Uh, we were very involved in the management side. Um, in, in fact, I had the opportunity to be a manager with them, and uh, I, I turned that opportunity down because my, my place is really in the field. I really like being out with my growers. Um, so I, I took a lot of those aspects of managing employees and, and learning how to run budgets, and even today I got a call from somebody trying to get me to get my business to subscribe to a basically a scam, and I, I've already heard about this before when I worked in retail. Um, there's a lot of little lessons that you don't really think you learned. And then when you open your own business, you kind of realize I've learned a lot from a lot of different people that have a lot of experience. But it was almost invaluable to have 
maybe that 10 years of experience or so in retail, trying to learn some of the ins and outs of how things work and and how things kind of move and groove and who to talk to and building all those relationships has really helped me going out on my own. Yeah. I I always find it interesting to to learn about the the team of advisors that farmers lean on, right? For for all kinds of products and services. And often that that there is integration there and there is interaction there between independent consultants such as yourself and maybe folks that fall more into traditional ag retail. So how do you work with those folks that we would we would label as being from the traditional ag retail side today? And and what would you want to share so that folks who are working with a farmer customer from two different businesses how have you seen some great opportunities in coming together to serve that farmer? So in the past, I've, I've had experience with some independent consultants with my clients I had when I worked in retail. And my experiences were kind of always mixed. There was some of those people that they're, they're hesitant to talk to retailers. They, they want their relationship just to be with a farmer and you know there's not a lot of working together that goes on when i started this i kind of had more experience in the retail world than most people do in this job at least from what i've seen in my area i so that that's kind of led it to be where i have no problem calling up a retailer and talking to them about the plan and what's going on uh, we try to keep that communication line open uh, yesterday i was i have a consulting client that uh, within 24 hours, I was talking to their seed dealer about what we're going to do on a couple different sides of their alfalfa program. And on the other hand, I was working with their nutrient management planner to make sure that anything we make as far as a change in some of their crop rotation is not going to affect their nutrient management plan too much. So that's it's trying to work with the entire team that these farms have to try to make it work so that we're not, you know, I'm not anti-retail. Um, we're just trying to make sure that we're working together to make the farms profitable. And, and a lot of these people want to talk about sustainability and that's where we we're focused on quite a few operations that we work with. Yeah. So I, I'm 99% sure on this, Kyle, that I first communicated with you via Twitter and that's how we got initially networked. And I know you're very engaged on Twitter, social media, you have your own podcast. Yep. What, how did you get involved in all these communication platforms? How have you assessed what you get out of engaging and networking on those platforms? So I think I started Twitter, my profile started in 2012. I don't know if I really started posting much until 2013. Um, and I don't really fully remember why I did it. Um, but once I got into it, I got to know a lot of people. Um, I'm on a first name basis with a lot of semi, well, I was talking to somebody this morning. I said, I'm a minor celebrity in agriculture. And I don't really know what that means too much. But uh, at least I, I'm on a first name basis with people that, I would say are, are very innovative and, and forward thinking, um, very well recognized people in agriculture, 
you know, if you're reading a magazine, it's the odds of me knowing someone that's in that is pretty high. Um, Twitter has been really good for me in that aspect. I, I've, I've spent a lot of time recently trying to reach out, and that's been really good for me. I've learned about some things that I didn't know about. Um, we've, you know, when a customer asks me about a product, instead of, you know, trying to read through articles online, I could actually call the company that has it, or I, half the time I know the person who is either the rep for that chemical or whatever they want to try, or I actually know the guy who's the creator of it. So it's been, it's been a really good thing for me professionally. Um, I have a few customers that follow me on there. Um, the guy that I posted a thing on Twitter this morning about somebody took my breath away. Uh, <laughs> I was was getting in a tractor yesterday and I got a good, good whiff of uh, anhydrous, but uh, it was kind of a play on words a little bit. <laughs> he goes, I must be really attractive then. <laughs> And and so that's uh, a lot about your Twitter interactions. What about what about your podcast? The podcast, I so I had a podcast that we started when I worked in ag retail, and when I when I started this podcast in ag retail, it was back in seventeen, seventeen or eighteen, and we we were just. Starting out, I learned a lot of things with that and kind of what to do and what not to do. And when I started my own business, I kind of wanted to do one. I just started it, just put a microphone in front of me and just started talking. And over the last couple of years, we went from, you know, I might get 30 plays or 30 downloads per per posting or per episode to now I'm over three or 400 per episode. And we're having guests on all the time, which is kind of a, you know, we talk about the pandemic being such a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing. We had so many people that are more willing to do Zoom conference calls now, which has made having guests on the podcast a lot easier. And it's uh, it's kind of expanding. It's, it's funny how fast things happen. Within the last month, uh, we were looking at our RSS subscribers on Squarespace last night. Uh, I think month over month with our podcast and everything, we're up – this seems like a really ridiculous number, but this is the number I was given was 18,000% from uh, February to March. Well, congratulations. That's got to make you feel good. Yeah, it's it's been different. And I'm not sure how to understand the RSS subscribers thing on Squarespace just yet. But as far as I know, it's that's listens and visits to the podcast and our website. So that's been the increase in traffic like that's kind of noticeable. So. You know, I I think there's value in seeing what other people are doing, where they're finding success, where their passions are, what gives them energy. And there are folks who might be more cynical about having someone invest their time and talent into social media especially in the crop input space, whether that be a, a consultant, a retailer, any variety of roles that could be a trusted advisor, what would you share with folks who might be of a more cynical position than you on what's to gain from being engaged on social media? Yeah, I, I think it it's it's a very thankless thing to do sometimes. I. 
I can count on one hand sometimes the amount of people that actually say that they listen to it or that have visited our website or anything that's not a family member. Um, now, don't listen to what my grandma says on our Facebook page. But <laughs> we, uh, I, as far as, you know, there is very often, you know, and you know how it goes with, with IP addresses and, and how you can view some of that. It's not very uncommon for me to leave a farm or leave, get off the phone with somebody and right away they're on our website and they're looking at not just my website, they're looking at our Facebook page because we can see what links they click. You know, and it, it doesn't always show me what location they're at. It doesn't show me Bob Smith clicked on this link, but we can always at least see that there's a spike in traffic after any kind of visit we have with somebody. And I think we've talked about that too. I think Facebook for businesses, it's more of a, you just have to be there. It's not that you need to be posting things all the time on Facebook, but that's, you know, if anybody looks at anybody, it's like the yellow book used to be. That's where they go to find out if you're a legitimate business or not. Um, but podcasts, YouTube, I mean, the, the amount of engagements that you get on those is, is rather strong. But I, I think even with a podcast or anything else, a lot of what I've got feedback on is that I am, I'm not really promoting things. We're just more talking about topics. And I think that's where some of the social media thing kind of gets, you know, we might have a, a sales meeting where we're trying to sell products. This is more of a genuine thing. If you're, if you're more genuine and, and just telling stories and, and talking to people about different topics and not necessarily trying to sell things, that, that gains a lot more views and listens uh, I think being genuine is definitely something that's been really good for me and, and good for our podcast and our website. Yeah, that's a, um, oh, Kyle, it's, I feel like we're letting our audience in into some of our other, you know, kind of <laughs> off the recording uh, conversations, but that's such an interesting <laughs> perspective as far as asking to folks, you know, why are they engaging online what are they comfortable sharing, right? And what do they get from the benefit of sharing that? And um, yep. really in your position too, so much of your role is based on on you, right? Kyle as a person, Kyle as an advisor. So where do you, you know, it's a tricky rope, I'm, or a tricky line I'm sure to walk on where you draw the line of what you share, right? Although I'm sure everybody yeah. loves seeing pictures of those beautiful greyhounds that your family has. So <laughs> yeah, all I ever get is questions about why don't they go up and down the stairs by themselves? Why do you have to teach like a full grown dog? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, you let people into little windows of your life and you're going to get those kinds of questions that are, you know, you're able to shine lights on things for people. <laughs> well, and I, so I do put out a newsletter to our clients. And I've done a newsletter for every company I work for forever. Um, we used to put a lot of personal details in that. And when I did that, it got to the point where I had customers' wives that would go to the mailbox and they would be the first one to read it because they wanted to see how our dogs were doing and how my home yeah. remodel is going. And so that, that made a big difference to a lot of people. Yeah. I think that's a common thread in, in this industry too, is people want that personal, um, that personal angle in how they conduct business. Right. And they want to know who you are. Yep. 
Well, Kyle, um, I would I would love to give you a very direct way so you can pitch all the ways people can connect with you, including <laughs> your Twitter handle as well as how to find your podcast. Sure. Our, our podcast is on our website, which is just stallgronomy.com. Um, and it's also on iTunes. You name it. We're pretty much on everything. Um, and it's called the Rogue Agronomist, right? Rogue Agronomist podcast. And it's just type me into Google. <laughs> and real quick, why did you, why do you call yourself the Rogue Agronomist? So it's, it's a funny story because when I try to explain this to Agriview when I was in one of their articles and I wrote uh, wrote a, a, bi, a bi-monthly thing for them, the, the headline was Stall of Star Wars, which is not entirely true. <laughs> <laughs> my, my nerd cred went way up, but I, I'm definitely not a Star Wars nerd. But um, what it is, it's a play on the fact that I left the retail system, so I've kind of, quote unquote, gone rogue. Um, I used to work in seed production, my first job in agronomy, any plant that's in a field that's not supposed to be there, that's not a weed, you know, if there's a, a corn plant that's in a field that's not supposed to be in, it's a rogue corn plant. And then we we started kind of joking around that we were going to start calling our trucks Rogue One and Rogue Deuce, and it, it just turned into a thing. So I just decided the Rogue Agronomist, it sounds really nice. So that's what we did. And where can folks find you on Twitter? My my personal Twitter is at agronomy underscore guy. Um, our actual company is just all agronomy at Twitter. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us on the Scoop podcast. For now, I'm editor of the Scoop, Margie Eckelkamp, signing off. And I'd encourage all of you to send any future ideas for podcast interviews. You can find us on Twitter at Farmers Advisor. <laughs>